0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Three Point Perspective, the podcast about illustration, how to do it, how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker.
1: I'm Lee White.
2: And I'm Will Terry. And all three of us are professional illustrators, and we've all been working for about the last 25 years. And in that time, we've published together somewhere around 50 books, and we've all taught illustration at the university level
1: yep each week we're going to come at you with a different topic and we are going to argue or we going to we are going to agree occasionally (laughs) but each week you're going to learn something new that's great that was bad
0: um i want to ask you two guys a question what if you could make money off of an illustration or some illustrations that you did in college like way back in college a, uh, how I did how cool would you think that you did mm-hmm. not not right not back in college but like today
1: today but, but the work was from back then
0: but the work was from back then
1: I'd say no way i've, I've I just this past week threw away probably 15 original paintings that weren't even what? from all the way back then I just don't like them and I've made money on them I've, I, I've sold them even as prints and I just don't like them and I just threw away all the originals
0: well, let me tell you about Gina Lee. Have you heard of her?
1: Know, the name sounds familiar, but I don't know who that is.
0: Well, she just taught a class for us for SVS.
1: That's <laughs> she sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yeah. Gina. Sorry, didn't. I thought you said Tina.
0: Yeah, we thought. You yeah, did I you know you got a monkey there, Gina Lee, she taught a licensing class for us last year, and in that licensing class, she showed an illustration that, I don't know how much money she's made off of it through licensing, but it was an illustration she did in college, and uh, and she licensed it, and now it gets printed on, like, it's a kind of a 4th of July-looking illustration of an old Chevy truck, like a 50s Chevy truck, and it gets reprinted on, like, these flag banners you would you might put out on your on your lawn um i think it's been reprinted on like cups and paper plates and things like that but in this class she goes through and she tells how you can take existing artwork that you've already done or how to prep new artwork for the licensing world how to find um uh you know opportunities to license your work how to navigate that whole scene and we're releasing um Just this week, we're releasing uh, a second part to this class that goes into trend forecasting, like how do you know what is going to be licensed in the next few years so you can make artwork that's going to work for that. Um, It talks about how you can um, uh, develop your personal style so that it's more uh, desirable for licensors. And she goes into vision boards. How do you make a vision board to show you... um, uh, basically how to direct your work into the direction of of what you might want to do for licensing. So check that out. It's only at svslearn.com, and uh, I just wanted to share that with you guys.
1: Very cool. Have you guys done much licensing?
0: I have not. I am dipping my toe into it now. Actually, I'm working with a company who's making um, iPhone cases with my artwork on it. So
1: yeah, it's a, it's a it's an interesting kind of uh, arena. I, I licensed a bunch of images to Trader Joe's last year, mm. and they made cards out of them and stuff like that. And it's just a fun way because the images are already done, mm-hmm, and yeah. so you just sell them the rights to use the image on you know these various places, and you get a check. It's kind of fun.
0: So. Are you going to go dig those paintings out of the trash?
1: I just can't do it. I just say, <laughs> hey, if I don't like a painting, I'm going to pull it out. I don't want it hanging on people. So the argument I always get with that is just give it to me. I'd like it. And if you're going to throw it away anyway, why don't you give it to me? But I hate knowing that work that I don't like is on someone's wall.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, this is a little bit of a tangent, but uh, I'm reading this book called Keep Going by Austin Kleon. It's, uh, he's the guy that wrote Steal Like an Artist several years mm-hmm. ago. I don't know if you ever saw that book, but this is like his... If, if this is a trilogy, this would be the third book in a trilogy. The second one was Showing Your Work, and this one's Keep Going. And it's all about how to stay creative um, as life progresses, even if you get, like, worn down or whatever. But um, um, one section in there, he's like, create for the sake of creating. And he talks about how one thing you could do as an artist is make a drawing and then immediately put it in the shredder or burn it or throw it away. And he's like, he pulls his kid, points to his kid as an example. Like the kid doesn't care about um, the end product. He only cares about the experience of creating. And there's something... uh, uh, energizing and and even more deeply creative about that. Just the fact that you get to make marks on paper and you're not so much thinking about what's this going to be when I'm done. Uh, you know, do I need to scan it? Does it go in a book? Does it is it concept art for another piece? Is it you know? Am I learning what I need to learn from this piece? But but sometimes that can take the soul out of creating, and this is a, a way to put it back into it.
2: That's how I got my career. Destroying your artwork? <laughs> no, just. Oh. Like making marks and just doing weird things, and then all of a sudden, oh, here yeah. I am as an illustrator.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's cool. Well, today's topic uh, uh, I wanted to talk about how to convey a message or story with your art. And actually, this topic we were tagged by another podcast. There's a podcast called Kick Kicking the Creatives, and they uh, they came up with like this this idea where they're going to do a topic, and then they want to hear other art related podcasts do their take on the topic so they emailed me and said hey we're doing this can we tag you and then you tag another podcast to to do the topic as well and then we can link to everybody and talk about you know everybody could see all of our different takes on this subject matter so I took them up on that offer and uh, um, and so the the message or the not the message but the topic is how to convey a message with your art and I think it's really good for us as illustrators because that's what we're all about every piece of ours tells some sort of story or shares some sort of message so but before we get into that i just want to tag another podcast called one fantastic week and i want to have them do their take on this um on this thing too so uh the ball's in your court guys one fantastic week and let's let's hear what you guys have to uh have to say about this this same subject matter okay so let's get down into it i'm gonna i'll steer the show it's mine today so I want to focus on the storytelling part um, and maybe not so much the message part that we'll, we'll get into that later but um, starting off i I want to tell a story that I overheard will talking about with the class he recently did for svslearn.com. was it drawing backgrounds right with Brian mm-hmm and what was the thing that so Brian is this amazing English Brian Azar.
2: And A it's it's pronounced Ajar. A jar. He'll correct you. It's it's funny, he had to correct me like five times during that class.
0: I call him ajar because that's what you call. I know. You. That's how you say it. I
2: know. I, I messed you up. <laughs> it's like it's okay, like, a, like a jar of peanut butter or something.
0: Yeah, or the door is a jar.
2: There's right. probably others that we could come up with too in a second.
0: Yeah, let's just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> when it's a door, not a door. When it's a jar. Um, so Brian A Jar is this illustrator uh, who is really good at like um, telling a story with with his illustrations, with his images. And so you guys were teaching this class, and what was one of the, the things that one of the the problems with the students that just kept popping up? With some
2: of the problems was that they would uh, tell a story fragment so it'd be like we would look at their art and then this was after we were you know fairly clear about having a, a story to illustrate like like in in one panel we need to be able to look at the art and tell what's happening and it seems simpler than it is <laughs> but it's actually in reality when you try to do it it's it's a lot more complex but basically his critique was an, on like maybe 7 out of 10 was i don't know what the story is so it could be this or it could be that and and i was in the class with him and i'm going yeah i think maybe it's it's this okay well then since, since we were recording these critiques without uh the, the student there on so a lot of them we would guess mm-hmm. and then we would say well if you were trying to tell this story this is how we would this is what we would do differently to make it more to reinforce that that story
0: yeah and so I, what I what I pulled from that was, um, just because you're drawing a picture doesn't mean your picture's saying anything, doesn't mean your your audience, the people viewing it, are getting anything more out of it than just this is a character or this is an environment. And I think that's a problem that you see a lot of times with amateur uh, amateur illustration work is there's just no story happening in the image. There's nobody wanting to know what's going on or, or uh, no question being asked and we want to help people solve that question or solve that problem in this episode today how do you get your pictures to tell a story why should you even do that let me ask you guys that why should a illustration tell a story is it good enough just to you know, illustrate a picture of the woods and leave it at that, you know, should it, should it do more than that? Lee?
1: I think it needs to have longevity. I mean, if something's going to be interesting for a long period of time, it needs to have a story and, and hopefully a story that doesn't get full. The other side of what you're saying here, where, where they don't ask, or they don't tell a story at all is where they tell just too much of it. And so the viewer doesn't have any work to do. You can't participate in it. So there's a real nice middle ground for a good image that, t- that kind of invites a story that you can come back to again and again. And depending on where you are in life, you can maybe read the image in a different way. Um, And that becomes a a very engaging long-term thing. Whereas somebody just paints a, you know, a barn. I don't know why everybody paints barns, by the way, but um, they just paint a barn, you know, unless it's just technically flawless or there's something with it, you're just not going to be that interested in it it long-term. So I think that's why it needs to tell a story.
2: And the other reason to go along with that is, is at least in, in thinking about this class, I pulled up a couple of the images from that class that we critiqued is, if you're not telling a specific story, often the the stuff you draw actually asks different questions, and so you end up you end up asking questions. Is that was that your intent as an illustrators to ask questions or to answer them? You know what I mean. And so, so for instance, uh, I can give you an example. There's a there's an image that I'm looking at right now, and that doesn't help people that are listening to the podcast, but. Um, <laughs> There's, a, there's a, a woman in the foreground, and she's happy, and she's kind of looking over her shoulder a little bit. And then there's a dog that's really happy, and he's kind of following her. And then there's a little girl in the background that's really upset. And there's nothing in the image to tell you why she's upset and why the woman's happy. So we're like, is, is the mom happy that she just disciplined the kid is she trolling her own kid you know like mm-hmm. it looks like she's almost got glee that her kids upset But so we're like that's probably not the story so in other words it's asking questions mm-hmm. and that's not really the that's not really the job of a narrative illustrator
0: yeah i think that gets in the realm of fine art you know you look at uh, an andrew wyeth piece yeah. and you're just like what is going on yeah. here who is this person You know, why is she looking at that building, you know, that house on the, on the horizon? Right. Um, I think too, like the barn paintings thing, um, they're, they're being painted. um, And, and I, you know, Dave Dibble, who we've, we all know, who has been on our third Thursday things last couple of years ago. He does amazing barn paintings, like the light, Mm -hmm. shadow, just the, just the way that he captures them. But he's not illustrating. Those barn paintings are for a specific reason. They're for a rich person to hang on their wall at their cabin. <laughs> They're de- right?
1: Their decoration, basically. Their yeah.
0: decoration, right. And 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 they do a great job at that. But your job as an illustrator is to do more than that. Your job as an illustrator is to tell a story. So I think I've got a, a list here <laughs> that I want to go through. And we'll kind of nailed nailed the first one. Oh, oops, that, sorry. No, it's it's fine. We're fine. Okay. I I, I wanted to be kind of organic like that. But number one, hey,
1: wait, can I, before you get into your list, can I just make one little <sighs> statement? It's a disclaimer. Yes. I forgot what? that we're <laughs> I forgot that we're now recording the video, and so I'm uh-huh. just sitting here playing with these two pencils and like hitting myself in the head with them and poking myself in the face with these <laughs> pencils. And now you I just realize that that's all. going to be recorded.
2: It didn't bother me at all because I knew that you'd forgotten, and I was like, "This is cool."
0: I'm not we're going to. We like, know just that you these two
1: up my nose right now, and uh, so if you guys see the YouTube version, of this...
0: we know that you're a, a six-year-old in, a,
1: in a, a middle-aged man's body. So that's completely it's, fine. It's very true. Anyway, so I apologize for uh, those of you guys who are watching me and just see me fidget with stuff. I'm now going to do my newscaster look and be very serious.
0: Don't do that. For for those in podcast land, we uh, we're doing a video version for this that we're going to post on YouTube um, whenever we get around to that after it after it goes after the podcast is posted. So that's what's going on there. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, my, my list. Can I talk about my list? Number one.
1: Here, wait, here's wait, how wait, you tell.
0: Wait. wait. What? I just wanted. To- <laughs> you little turkey. Okay. Um. Uh, uh, Actually, I'm going to get a sidetrack now, too. My kid this morning, he goes, Hey, what are some other birds' names that we can use as, like, to call a name on somebody? Like, when someone doesn't want to do something, they're chicken. And when someone's being really annoying, they're a turkey. And I'm like, So we just started coming up with stuff. And I started, like, bowing. And they're all, What are you? I'm "I'm a duck. (laughs) Because I was bowing. That's the. The kids thought it was funny. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, back to my list. Uh, How to tell a story with your art. Number one, every image should, um, should we say, elicit some kind of emotional response from a viewer, from the viewer. So it should make them laugh. Um, It should make them uh, interested or wanting to know more of the story. Right, it shouldn't like maybe it shouldn't puzzle them, but it should make them like want to know either um, you know who this character is and and want to you know turn the page mm-hmm. to find out what happens next that type of thing, or uh, the the image could what did I say make them laugh, make them curious, make them angry maybe uh, is another thing, inspire them or, or give them awe of some kind. You know, when I look at really cool concept art, you know, for a movie like a, a um, visual development piece that shows like an exciting scene in a movie, more often than not, the feeling I have is is like, oh, I really want to see this movie. Like, I really want to see these characters, you know, go through this adventure or something like that. So every illustration should should go into it with some sort of how am I going to get some sort of emotional response? From the viewer, all right. So that's that's the first thing I have on my list.
2: Let me let me add something, that I, mm-hmm. a caveat that I should have put in there before. Because I said you shouldn't be asking questions as an illustrator, but there actually is a really good time to ask a question, and that's kind of what you mentioned with when you're talking about sequential art and getting a page turn. So there could be an action mm-hmm. that doesn't resolve until the next page, mm-hmm. right? So we don't. So in other words, uh, there's a there's a kid going down a hill. In his on his skateboard, and he's going super yeah. fast, and then he starts to fall on one page, and then you flip the page over and you find out what the aftermath was.
0: Yeah, I like that.
1: I could okay, add so in that one so, little thing. Hold on, that that. Um, yeah, let me I, I'm add scared something. to. I'm scared to say anything though because I don't want to jump ahead. Yeah, we don't. To want your to other
2: ruin your list, Jake. But
1: we don't know what the list is. But I was going to say that you know you're saying that that the goal is to have some kind of. Uh, you know, desired response. And typically an illustration, that response is, should be the same for the broad audience. Whereas oh, fine right. art, it could be, you know, they look at the, whatever the fine art Every- is and have a different experience. But most of the time as an illustrator, if you, if you're doing a scary illustration for, you know, scary book or whatever, you want mm-hmm. everybody to feel that same way. And so there's kind of an intent behind it.
0: I like that. That's really good. Um, uh, what, how about this? I'll just go through my list one at a time. No, just listen. don't laugh. This is, I'm being very serious right now. Oh. Okay. So, um, I'll go through my list and just ask you guys. I'll say the next thing on my list and then I'll ask you guys, do you have examples or can you think of uh, a way that this has worked in your own art? How, that, that way the list doesn't get trampled, but we still get feedback from everybody. Sure. Does that sound good? Yeah. Let's, let's have a clean list respect the
1: list <laughs>
0: okay so number two goes right along with um, with uh, with what we were saying there I would say always include a character or some sort of evidence of a character does that make sense how how's that worked in your we're you illustrations? Respond. What? We're free to respond. <laughs> <She wins. laughs> just did I did I all of a sudden get bad at doing a podcast? <laughs> no, now I know you're what you're saying, not saying that I was what you're saying is don't put
2: don't make your images just decorative. Like mm-hmm. so I was actually giving a critique for a guy with his portfolio last week. And the first image that he had on his portfolio, he's actually one of our SVS students. Um and I don't want to out him, but I told you, Lee, that I talked to him. Yes. Anyway. But
0: his name rhymes with Schmenjabin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, his first, his first image was actually one of his best images, and I know that's why he put it first. Mm-hmm. As far, But it was one of his best as far as craftsmanship, color, texture, all the above. But it didn't have a character. There was no story in it. So, so I'm like what are you asked and what are you saying to potential because he wants to do children's book he wants to get children's book clients what does it say if you on your very first image and that's a tough thing because when you when you're when you're kind of newer as an illustrator you'll make these I call them pinnacle pieces you'll 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 make a piece that's better than everything else in your portfolio and so you want to share it you want people to see it and you might even want to put it as the lead off image in your portfolio. But in this case it was setting the perfectly wrong tone in that it was decorative. It might as well have been a fine art piece, you know, beautiful barn. It's funny that it had a barn in there and it had a, it had a, a a rooster in the foreground and, but, but there was no story. So.
0: Yeah. Why do you think it is that, that you need that character in, in the image or evidence of a character. And and by evidence, I mean, if you don't want to put a character in there, then if it is a landscape, maybe there's a castle on the horizon, or maybe there's a, a, um, you know, an old rusty car that's like falling apart in the corner or something like that.
1: I think there's a spot in our brain that, you know, like if you see a, 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 Gnarled tree branch or whatever, where you start to see faces in that. And I think we just are programmed to find people and we're programmed to Mm -hmm. put ourselves in different situations and stuff. And if it's, if if it's an environment with no sense that a person has ever been there, I mean, it almost looks like a travel photo, but you can't Mm -hmm. really be a part of the story I and mean, you put a rusty car there now all of a sudden the whole thing starts to set up there's a time frame that's involved in that how did the car get there what you know who drove the car what happened to them i mean it just starts to ask so many questions and it gets that gets that whole you know sequence started
2: you could tell a story i think there are a few exceptions but i think in 90 some percent of the time you're going to want a character there but i could think of one just in recent um, just what happened this week with the um, Cathedral of Notre Dame catching fire, there could potentially be a children's book on the, the fire of Notre Dame. You know, there, you know, there are some serious children's books that tackle serious issues.
0: And that's why I say there needs to be at least evidence that there was a character.
2: Oh, I see. Yeah. So then that would work. Yeah, either
0: a character in the image yeah. or evidence.
2: You could have a distant shot of, of the cathedral burning. And it sure would be telling a story, but yeah, I I didn't, I didn't hear you have yet.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you, if you have a big snowscape, that's one kind of scene, but then you have a snowscape with just footprints in the snow, it's a totally different image and a, and a much better image in my opinion as an illustrator. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, the next one I want to say to tell a story with your art is to use small details to hint at more depth to the situation. And that kind of goes right along with what you're saying about the, the footprints, but what I like to do is, um, you know, if, if I have a character in there, I will give the character some sort of quirky uh, addition to their outfit or uh, maybe they're riding something interesting or maybe if they're on like a, a horse, the horse has, you know, it's carrying all sorts of equipment behind them. Um, because these details, I, let me ask you this, why, why do you think Little details like that help to tell a story. Will Terry?
2: <laughs> I was waiting for Lee. I wanted. He looked like he was ready to answer this.
0: Okay, Lee.
1: I can answer this. Well, <laughs> deta- I think. The, I think the details that go along with the scene start uh, start to become character building. And the example I use in class is like if you go to a a brand new neighborhood that you know just just got put up. It sort of looks like a monopoly kind of neighborhood no matter what the style is you know all the houses just seem so generic you know you fast forward 50 years and somebody's lived in a house for 50 years all of a sudden that the little details around the location start to point to who the person is who lives there and it becomes very specific it's not just a generic box with a roof on it it's now a, a, a an extension of that character and so i think all details are extensions of the character mm-hmm.
0: that's cool let me yeah.
2: let me add to that In that, the natural thing that I've noticed that students do is they will there. There is a reticence to use reference early on. Uh, There's a there's a it's it's a it's an acquired skill to spend more time um, preparing for an illustration than it is to just dive right in and start drawing and just boom 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 boom. Now I'm done. And I had that disease when I was in school where. I'd get an assignment and two hours later I'd be done and I'd be going, okay, what's next? She's like, well, well, hold on now, like, let's take a look at this thing. And, and I, a lot of my other classmates had that. And now I see that a lot of students where they'll draw, let's, let's say, for, for example, and this is an illustration I'm thinking of right now that one of our students did where it was, it was on a street corner and the car that they put in this illustration definitely looked contemporary. And then the, but the, but it was at a bus stop, on the street. So there's a bus stop there, and there's a bench there, and the 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 bench that the student drew, was completely made up out of his head, and it it looked really boxy. It didn't look like a bench that I had ever seen before. It didn't remind me of any bus stop bench that I'd ever seen before. It didn't. Now it could have existed. Someone could have potentially, made a bench like this, but in my 50 years of living on this earth. Some after,
0: demented soul. never saw
2: one look like this. And the, when, you, when you're when you talking about details, you could draw a, a, a bench in a park, and you could probably, if you did your research, based on different periods of time in history and different places in the world, you could probably draw 20 benches that looked better than the one that he drew, that that actually brought you to a specific time period or place, you know. So, um, and uh, it, so anyway, I guess the point that I'm I'm saying is that bench that he drew took me right out of the story that he was trying to tell because it was distracting.
0: Mm-hmm. So, pay attention to the details as well. Like even even uh, um, uh, something as simple as a bench, if done wrong. Could draw too much attention to it in a way in a way that doesn't yeah. help your overall.
2: Which push. brings up a good a good um, question: is if you're trying to develop your own style, does that mean you have to draw a bench that some other architect or designer came up with? Always. Well,
0: I th- I think there going there. It's um, if the bench is consistent with your style, then then it won't stand out. But if everything else looks it's supposed to look and then you have this wonky looking bench
1: yeah you can't make up an entire universe that has no reference point for the viewer right right i can't say this that one in one of my books i sort of messed up on a detail and um it was it it was a book i did uh, about two or three years ago called arctic white and the it was um, eskimo girl and she's with her father and they're going to view this these northern lights but it takes place in very kind of rural conditions you know with the with the animal pelts and the and the the dogs and stuff the sleds and um, she gets a she's really sick of seeing um, all the gray you know like sky's gray the snow is has no color and so midway through the book she discovers color she wants to start seeing color and stuff and so she starts painting and the palette that i gave her looks like she went to walmart and bought it And I should have like, everything else was so like, um, I don't want to say indigenous, um, but if if that's the right word, (laughs) leaning that way, you know, where it's, it all fits the world. So yeah, part of the natural world um, that I don't think she would have had this like just plastic (laughs) palette. That these, she got these and, colors
0: that were made in a factory. Yeah,
1: right, right. I think it w- it would have been a better storytelling opportunity if they kind of ground up the pigments or something like that, uh, put it on mm-hmm. a wood wood bowls or something. Would have probably yeah. been a better call. Um, it didn't Steel it didn't ruin blood. the book? It's just a small little detail. But now when I go back and and, and see the book, it is a detail that I that I wish I would have changed because it could have had more. Uh, like like Will said, if it's the wrong palette, I don't want anybody to be pulled out of and be like, wait, is there a Seven Eleven around the corner from this igloo? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point
0: yeah so look at the details in your in your piece and see if any of the details are are detracting from the image or they're actually helping the image all right so the next one uh, i'm calling it avoid the climax so in your illustration your illustration should never be the climax of any sort of event <laughs> it's what it should be is either an image that shows something that's happening right before the climax or something that's uh, happened right afterwards. So, you know, let's say uh, uh, a kid's running down the sidewalk and he trips, uh, you know, on a stick in the sidewalk and falls and skins his knee. If you are going to illustrate that in a children's book, what would you illustrate? The actual tripping part where he's like the knee is scraping on the ground or um, the thing leading up to it where, you know, the kids, you, you could see that he's going to hit this stick and it's going to be disastrous. Or right afterwards, there's a stick, you know, that's broken on the ground, the kid's crying. You know, which of those three illustrations is the most uh, story, it has the most story power in it?
1: Yep. It's a great, we, it's a great topic. Think. This, I mean, I have this a whole section on this on my storytelling video. Um, and by the way, I should add that this is the topic of of the SVS contest this month, which is um, the moment before.
0: Is that April or May?
1: That's for April, so it's going it was, on right. It's going on right now.
0: This podcast airs in May, so <laughs> right,
1: well, it's just, so you guys can check out how people did it. But but one of the like you. <laughs> when we were talking about um, good examples from it is the jaw, the classic jaws poster, you know, big shark coming up from the water. Mm -hmm. The swimmer is not aware of the shark, but the viewer is, Mm -hmm. it is a beautiful moment of showing that right before the actual act, you know, activity or action part of that sequence takes place. um, It's wonderful.
2: That's actually one of my favorite things to illustrate is when the viewer, when you as the illustrator, Bring the viewer in on information that not all the characters in the illustration know about.
0: Right. Yeah. That's really good. And I noticed in the book that you just did, Will the Bonaparte Baseball Book? Mm-hmm. What's it called? Bonaparte hits a home run. Plays ball.
2: or Bonaparte plays ball.
0: Bonaparte plays ball. Um, there's a shot where Bonaparte spoiler um, hits a home run, right mm-hmm. at the end, oh. and i'm sorry, sorry.
1: <laughs> thanks a lot
0: <laughs> <laughs> i know you're waiting for that to be published and uh and come out for for you to find out what actually happens but um uh, just in that one illustration there um the i remember us talking about it the debate was do you show the ball actually contacting the bat mm. you know is that more powerful or do you show the ball the question was is the ball about to hit the bat or did it hit the bat you know already and it's on its way out and even in that like split second moment there's some decisions that could be made that, that can change the uh the, the impact of the storytelling mm-hmm. and so I, again if you avoid the climax you you uh or or i guess the the pinnacle of the, the spurring of the action um you it's actually kind of boring to see that ball contacting the bat. Like that's not dynamic. Mm-hmm. What you want is, is he going to hit a home run? Or, oh, he hit a home run, you know. Like this is awesome, right? So um, so that's just another example I was thinking of. And a lot of the storytelling
2: in that particular one was on the, the following page where the people in the stands are looking up, making different facial expressions, watching the ball go out.
0: Yeah. That's really cool.
1: One thing that i like to comment on about this, um, playing with the moment of act of activity or action is the different sounds that kind of come with it or the different, um, level of activity, I guess, but I, I like to equate it to sound. Um, And whether something's quiet or whether something's loud. And a lot of time in my books, I think about the pacing that way. Like, do I want a really loud image right now? or Do I want something a little quieter? Do I need to lead up to something? Mm. And so it's kind of fun to break down those, those three specific scenes that, that a lot of times the moment right before something has a very kinetic kind of in, or excuse me, a potential energy. Um, there's, there's a, there's a heightened sense of energy, but it's not a loud kind of scene. Like somebody that say lighting a fuse to dynamite, you know, there's, it's, 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 kind of pregnant with with potential and then the explosion of that piece of dynamite is very very loud typically if you're doing the action of of a sequence you know hitting the home run or blowing up a dynamite it's very loud and that moment if i need some really loud kind of thing i'll pick that moment and then the aftermath is a lot of times quieter so like you know a bomb has exploded and or the dynamite has exploded and now uh, you know, it's just the it's the remnants of what happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. Everything's kind of torn down or whatever. And it's a quieter kind of scene then too. So depending on what moment you need or what the story needs at that time, I'll kind of play with the moment that way. That's cool. Another
2: thing that people make mistakes on in doing when you're talking about action is they'll over, they'll put too many, when you're talking about sequences, they'll put too many pieces in and they're not allowing the viewer to or the reader to, to fill in the gaps, you know, yeah. so they'll, so they'll, uh, how do you, what's your advice on that, Jay? Cause you're more of a comic book guy. And I find that the animators are better at this than most illustrators. Most, most illustrators are not as natural at knowing what, what to leave out is just as important as what to put in.
0: Yeah. When you're looking at animators work, what are you seeing that's successful there? Will?
2: when I, Oh, well, let's take roadrunner. You, you, Remember mm-hmm. the, the cartoon, the old cartoon, the Road Runner. That was like the, to me, the perfect storytelling with, with action because there were so many things left out that if you analyze it, you realize you never saw certain impacts or certain things. Right. You saw aftermaths, and
0: mm-hmm. I think with with animation, um, so much of it is anticipation, especially when you you said the Road Runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, cartoons. Um, you 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 sit down to watch a Roadrunner cartoon. You know Coyote's not going to get the Roadrunner. You already know that, but you're still thinking maybe this is the one. It's because ninety percent of that cartoon is watching this this Coyote put together like these crazy plans, and it's you know the camera panning along and he's hammering you hear the hammering noise and you see all these empty crates from the Acme supply store and finally you see this contraption this dumb contraption that he's made <laughs> and and you don't even have to like spend hardly any time of him pursuing the roadrunner it's just him planning and thinking mm-hmm. about it and that right there is like in a nutshell of what kind of what, what you could do with with your illustrations is putting in all these little details, all these little hints, all this anticipation that lead the viewer to, you know, ask them a question like, what do you think is going to happen? And you can put in enough hints in there that, that they may have a good idea of what, you know, the next thing is, if not that they're dying to know by turning the page, what the outcome is going to be. And the question isn't, you know, what's he going after, you know, I mean, actually that's a perfectly valid, you know, if you had a, a kid, who's going on a bear hunt, you know, or something like that. And he's got, you know, his little pop gun. But he's, you know, he's got all this other stuff that he's put together to make a giant bear trap. And you're wondering like, you know, maybe he's looking down the hole and he sees that the traps you've been set and something has fallen in there. You're wondering, did he get a bear? Did he get a bear cub? Did he get a dragon? You know, Um, it's, it's all those little details. It's, it's, you know it, it wouldn't be a fun illustration if you saw the thing that he got halfway falling through the hole mm-hmm. you know that doesn't it doesn't leave anything to the imagination so i want to talk talk about the next thing you can look at to help tell a story with your illustration that's use composition or the point of view to tell the story when have you guys seen this in, in student work or even in your own experience what have you seen this like be like really screwed up <laughs> like have you seen anybody mess this up where the composition or the point of view just did not work to tell tell a story with the illustration
1: i, th- I think it's, it takes a little bit of experience for people to go for a true worm's eye or bird's eye view which can be mm-hmm. so much more engaging anytime something is mm-hmm. going to be very tall or very small those are the first things that I started thinking about is oh, I want to look extreme down angle, extreme up angle. And mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of times people just take kind of this general camera angle that's, you know, almost like we're walking around, you know, your general line of
0: sight. It's that mushy middle. The worst for me is, and I, I see this so much in like amateur s- student work, is it, it may be a perspective drawing where there's clearly some perspective happening, but the POV is like 12 feet above where the eyes should be so we're kind of we're not a bird's eye view we're not even an eye level view it's just like we're here floating 12 feet above the ground you know
1: yeah
0: and it's 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 that speaks to
2: an evolution of your art because when you first start drawing you don't think about well one you're incapable you don't have the skills to put the camera in different places let alone Mm -hmm. think about that being an option right
0: right And then as
2: you develop later on in in some of these classes we start talking about like well well you know you could put the camera what are you talking about camera you're the director you get you get to wear a lot of hats as an illustrator and one of them is you're the director so the director gets to decide what kind of camera angle you're going to use or maybe it got decided in a meeting with with the maybe the storyboard artist came up with some panels that looked really cool and they were like oh that's perfect let's go with that so maybe the storyboard artist is the one that actually you know some of their ideas of where the camera got placed got put into the film but as you're when you're the illustrator that's an option
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. um sorry i just got a call from my wife had to Go ahead and take
1: turn it, it off. <laughs> yes, don't don't bother with us. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it.
0: <laughs> we'll just keep it going. Let's
2: let's make up the list.
1: <laughs> uh, David and I have it have, have an assignment in our in our illustration class. David Hone uh-huh. and I've been teaching this class for years, and the first assignment we we give is uh, it's a teacup assignment, and people have to do the students have to do fifty thumbnails of this teapot and teacup. And that's the only things they can include in the image. And so it really is about flying, zooming in, zooming out, going over, coming up under. It's a good one because once they're about at 20, you know, you got to start kind of tapping the pencil on the desk like, okay, what else am I going to do? And that's when the drawings start to get really interesting and the compositions start to become a little more interesting.
0: That's cool. The other thing too, uh, not just POV, though that's a big part of it, but also compositionally, you could have a visual hierarchy, that could tell a story so sometimes you can um you know when a person rolls up onto your your image they'll notice right off the bat something that's very dominant visually and you could use that to you to to like to your advantage because maybe the story's happening uh the real story's happening behind that image um or behind that main you know thing that that's drawing your attention and what that does is it helps um it, it sort of gives the, the 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 viewer something to explore so they're they're faced with this you know let's say it's an image of a deserted island and right there you've got this volcano and the volcano is erupting something like that and so your your attention is drawn to this volcano but when you give it a little bit of a of a of a, a second you know look at it you see you know, villagers like escaping the boats and you see, you know, all this other little detail happening, you know, building a wall to stop lava and stuff like that. And that's actually the next one I want to talk about is give your viewer something to explore. Mm -hmm. You can use POV, you can use composition, but adding detail or adding some sort of, um, uh, you know, maybe even hidden stuff in there that just... The more they look at it, the more they're wanting to to see. Have you seen good examples of that, either in your own work or in, in other work?
2: Well, let me give a great example in my own work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you set me up for that one, Jake. Um, yeah, I, I'll go back to my 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 first Bonaparte book, and this is something that I, I think you can just ask yourself as questions as you're illustrating along. So the the main character is a skeleton. If you haven't seen it. And the Skeleton has a lot of friends. He has a, a Frankenstein-type friend. He has a, a Black Widow. He has a mummy. Just all the, the scary creatures, a werewolf, a witch.
0: You're just going to name them all. I'm going to
2: name them all. Which ones am I missing out? Um, and a zombie. And, uh,
0: and, uh, you should have done a slime monster. How cool would that a be? slime a- monster? Yeah, it'd be like a ghost, but it's just a... a- Slime like balls. slimer not slimer but actual slime like a man we're getting on a, yeah like, get, you know, get, I, don't,
1: I, don't get well off topic <laughs> <laughs> you
0: could do that on its own <laughs> okay i'm just saying let me just clarify a ball of slime that has <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be cool that should be in the next book yeah yeah i'll right, talk to my go. editors
2: for you so um <laughs> uh, no the, the image i'm thinking of though is uh when they introduce, uh, her, his name or her name is blackie widow. And, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a black widow. If you couldn't figure that out and, uh, and in black widow's house, I'm like, well, what kind of furniture, you know? And, it, and it, it's hard to just to describe it on a podcast. It's such a, it's a weird thing that we have this visual job that we do and we, we have a podcast that's not visual.
1: <laughs> Don't call attention to that. Why are you calling? It? Weird. Edit, edit.
2: Guys, listening to this. <laughs> edit. You're for even listening to this. Um, but anyway, no. I gave I gave I gave the furniture a, uh, a a spider web pattern, and then I scrolled the 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 feet of it and um, made the architecture of the back of the chairs kind of like a spider web as well. And so those little details, I think, are important because it gives you something to look at beyond just the action that's happening in the room. You know, you got the spider there, but it's like, oh, so this is what a spider's house, the furnishings would look like.
0: They have just a bunch of framed pictures of all the husbands she's (laughs) eaten on her wall. (laughs) There were a few rejected ideas in there, but uh, yeah that's good I also think of illustrations like where's Waldo obviously that's completely designed for exploration mm-hmm. um but you could use where's Waldo elements to your illustrations too like don't be afraid to add a ton of detail in there to to have have uh, the viewer to explore does this and oh go ahead yeah
1: go ahead
0: no you go ahead Lee. I was
1: just gonna say there's I've got this book and I, I can't remember I want to give them credit maybe we will in the, in the show notes it's uh, it's based around a Christmas carol, but it's but it's mice, and it's mm-hmm. just loosely based around a Christmas carol. So I was reading this book to my son and and um, going through the the spreads or whatever, and the details are all good, all mice kind of stuff. You know, little matchboxes for beds and you know all that kind of stuff. And Jake's playing with a little action figure right now. <laughs> <laughs> so only after after reading this book like four or five times did I notice that the actual human version of a Christmas carol is taking place in the background of every scene of the mice. Whoa!
0: It's
1: it's it's incredible how well and subtle it was done. I mean, it it none of it's always. A, I mean, it was a second read. Like I said, I, it took a few times of going through it to really pay attention to like, oh wait, those aren't just. Like people in a city walking around back there—that's like the actual story. That's
0: Scrooge and that. Oh my gosh! It kind of like
1: it kind of Sixth Sense me. You like remember at the end of the Sixth Sense, the first time you see that? Oh.
0: I actually spoiled that movie for somebody.
1: <laughs> well, they haven't <laughs> seen it in 20 years or whatever. Th- that's 25. what I said. That's what you get.
0: But there's a there's a generation of of 20 year olds who haven't ever seen it. That's what me and Will found out.
1: Oh, okay. Is,
0: is they just, it came out when they were really little. And then there were other movies to watch when they were old enough to see it. So they haven't, they haven't seen Tanner, it. So
1: we shouldn't tell them that everybody dies.
0: He didn't stop me. <laughs> yeah, Tanner, did, Tanner didn't even know to stop you.
2: No. And then he's like, So was I supposed to know that, they were ever, that he was dead the whole time?
0: And I'm like, I'm really sorry.
1: Right, okay. Now you blew it again.
0: Then you have the people like my mother in law who insists everybody's gotten it wrong that he was alive the whole time
1: wait what really <laughs> for real
0: that thinks that i love this woman of course to death there is a she...
1: conspiracy theory <laughs> about sixth sense of course yeah. there.
2: that all of us as the viewers were dead the whole time
1: Anyway, my anyway, well, let's get back on track. My point was sometimes the detail can be just fun stuff that you add to the story. Sometimes it can be essential stuff that you're adding to a story. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to do a book. <laughs> now I'm distracted because Will's holding up little action figures. I had to do a story where I had to, there was a couple of questions in terms of the manuscript that I thought weren't answered well enough in the text. So I tried to work in mm-hmm. the answers and fill in some of those gaps in the illustrations, just in the details.
0: Yeah. The thing I like too about, um, the little critters books is the, the spider there's like a sp- there's like a spider or some sort of bug in every single illustration and so even though you're following the story you just want to see where did the you know where was the spider hidden in this that's flood. gold bug is that what it is Richard scary yeah no yeah well yeah he he does that too
1: it's gold bug sure. man yeah. <laughs> I just went through the whole book with my son, trying to find that little gold bug on every shot.
2: <laughs> I'm actually jealous that you have a young kid still, because mine are too old, I and mean, you're getting market research
0: still.
1: I write him off as a tax deduction for that <laughs> business expense.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, you don't. Is this your first year? You don't get any tax exemption for your for your kids, huh? Technically.
1: Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Well,
0: I have a dependent. I have a son that's got a disability.
2: Okay. Yeah. So there,
0: there you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's no, next there's one. no
2: humor in that. We're trying to be lighthearted. light-hearted. I know. <laughs> like he's going to make.
0: You just really <laughs> bummed us Sorry. out.
1: Thanks, Will.
0: <laughs> you don't get to pay taxes. Actually, I do. I have a <laughs> dependent. My, my son is disabilities, Jake. Thanks a lot.
1: <laughs> All right, what's next on our list? We've been uh, moseying around this one.
0: Okay, okay, here we go. Use lighting to tell the story. How can you use lighting to tell a story? I think sometimes people even forget that that's an option. But just by changing the time of day, in an illustration can mean a hundred things like if a a person's running through the forest and it's the middle of the day that's one thing if it's the middle of the night that could mean something entirely different right so how, how have you seen people either forget that or mess it up the lighting thing
1: well this is right up your alley i i I used to use lighting a lot in my illustrations early on and now i actually don't use lighting i mean i use time of day and seasonal Mm -hmm. kind of cues but i don't use light i don't use value that like a character gets hit with light on one side and has shadow on the other side i don't do that anymore It's
2: it's a huge topic um but rather than talk about how people get it wrong i did an exercise for one of my classes where I illustrated and talk street. about how you got it right. Well, <laughs> I I'm showing options basically. So I illustrated, yeah, okay, an attic scene, the crowded attic with tons of of objects and a little mm-hmm. boy. You know how you know how you have the um I don't use the pull-down stairs, the ones that hit Chevy Chase in the head during Christmas Vacation, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what are those called? <laughs> stairs to the pull down
0: pull pull down pull down down attic. Pull-down stairs. Pull-down attic stairs. Something like that. I'm sure German Germans have an actual word for it. They've got a <laughs> word for everything. Anyway, oblichenstoff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whatever. So he's he's
2: <laughs> he's sticking his head up in in the attic, kind of like I was, you know, doing this earlier.
1: His head yeah. is sticking
2: through that hole, and uh, and you can see he's he's looking off to the side. This little boy is kind of looking off the side, like he's looking for something or he heard a sound in the attic and there's like toy, you know, there's an old toy monkey with the, the symbols toy up there. And there's uh, there's a mannequin and there's all kinds of different, just different junk up there. And there's a snake that happens to be up in the attic. I, I put things that don't even necessarily belong in an attic, but then I lit it. Um, like there was a kind of a spot of light coming through the attic window, hitting different parts. Of the illustration and it told a totally different story on five different parts that it, that it was highlighting this little beam of light coming through the window and because you now the principle is in your illustration the, the place that gets the highest contrast is almost usually the focal point unless you introduce a color like red or orange some warm really warm accent color uh, that's by itself so i think that's that's pretty much usually the hierarchy. If you, if you introduce a saturated red into your illustration in one place, that will almost always become the focal point. Second to that is the highest contrast. Do I have that right, Lee? Did you- that's right. Okay. So we, we we haven't checked each our teaching methods with each other before, so I have to right. have to.
1: No, that's right. That's right on the money in terms of what it, I believe it to be.
2: Okay. So the highest contrast point becomes often becomes the focal point, and usually that's you know if, if you've got a, if you're dealing with an interior even at, at night if you've got a beam of light where the light hits often is the place that's the highest contrast if there's shadows around or other dark valued objects and so so that fits right in with the lighting that you
1: yeah, can can we put in our show notes that sequence of illustrations you did i don't know i think it was for a class or whatever but huh? it's it's an outdoor scene with the snow and it starts out an ambient light scene, oh, and then you have all these different lighting things. He's He did the same scene like he's talking about, like five different ways yeah. with different lighting and stuff. It's so cool. It yeah. was really cool. And you can I think you can tell a lot about your own illustration sensibilities depending on which one of those you like. There was one with really bright light and one with kind of cool light. And then I liked the one with just the ambient light, which yeah. was yeah. no light, yeah. which I reinforces exactly what I was saying. And
2: I remember when you said that, I was thinking, because I, I go hiking in the snow a lot, and there's a lot of days that are just those overcast days where, and they're really cool because objects seem like they're floating almost. Yeah. No, because there's no cast shadows sometimes. Yeah. If you've ever, yeah. tried we got to gotta post through. that
1: because that's a cool. That's a cool assignment to do if you guys have ever had it where you just take one scene and just illustrate it a couple of different ways based on only lighting. I do that a lot in the concept design classes, and it's yeah. it's always so much fun to yeah. do that. By the way, an attic ladder costs about two hundred and seventy-two dollars from home depot that's my I'm research called? and they're called an attic ladder it's clever to clever is that installed that's not installed that's just purchased okay
0: <laughs> all right last three. <laughs> <laughs> don't um, say we
1: don't teach it people we just taught about <laughs> lighting and attic ladders
2: <laughs> we've had a lot of comments of people saying that they feel like they're hanging out with us and we love that idea we're just we're just a couple yeah. A couple of guys hanging out.
1: Yeah, this is how our... This, this is actually what our normal
2: business meetings are like, <laughs> anyway.
1: Yeah, we just had a two-hour business meeting before this. That was... Uh, we were all over the place.
0: Yeah. We were We were really focused. No, that, that was a meeting. good one. That oh. was a good one. Pat's on the back. <laughs> Lots of cool things happening with SVS Learn coming up. Just to let you know, svslearn.com. <laughs> two
1: hours worth of meeting time stuff spent on that stuff. So yeah. it's a lot.
0: Big plans for the future, so... Let me just say this. You're going to want to be a subscriber if you're not already. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Number nine, show something impossible becoming a reality. You know, this is just just from the the, the, the ground up. If you really want to add some sort of story to your image, show something that is impossible that couldn't happen that is sort of becoming a reality. So I one great example of this is like MC Escher's um, crazy – trippy paintings right i guess they're not they're drawings where he does like the staircase that's going up continually but it it loops back into itself or the waterfall that's falling down and turning a, a wheel that's feeding the waterfall right
1: and then becomes a duck later like as it yeah goes with... a duck. <laughs> some geese. <Yeah.
0: piece. laughs> um i saw an illustration of like a man um watering some flowers up on you know on on a higher tier that he couldn't reach just by standing, but he turned the hose into a staircase, like just steps, so he could climb up the hose. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when I look at both my work, your work and Lee's your Will's work and Lee's work. I don't know why I I did it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, your work and, and Lee's work. Anyways, when I look at our all three of our work, I feel like Lee's is the most whimsical in this this sense where he does stuff that's more um, impossible things becoming reality. You want to talk about that, Lee? Why you go there? Well, what I how like you get there?
1: how I get there is illogical solutions for logical problems. Mm,
0: I like that. That's cool,
1: and it's an easy one to grab onto. Like the
0: wait, wait, wait. wait. Let's not go into politics right now. <laughs>
1: um one of the books that uh, that i that i'm writing right now is is uh i can't go into that one so i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to pull that one until until it gets it gets published because it's under some contractual things i'm gonna tell you the guy you guys to go research this other dude it looks like his name is pronounced bill out guy bill out g-u-i-b-i-l-l-o-u-t you guys know him how do you pronounce that name g-b-u He does this all the time. His image, he just adds one little thing, like it'll be two people walking on a, on a beach and somebody's like kind of lifting up the water, like they're looking under a bed sheet or something. And it just changes the whole nature of the illustration. And he's just wonderful at adding this one little thing.
2: Guy, G-U-I, Bill, B-I-L-O-U-T, Bill out. But it's,
1: he's a master at this. He's had a lot of imitators too. Yeah. Nobody, nobody can pull it off like he does. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Man, he's so guy. good. And he's so simple. Like he doesn't even need that much because he's so technically, I think solid and the conceptually solid that he doesn't need a lot of decoration to it. Um, I think he mm-hmm. does it perfectly. Mm-hmm. So he brings something unexpected to the images and that's what, that's what I like about him. And that's what I try to do in my work as well. It's just like, what, Why, I always ask myself, why am I drawing this piece? What makes this interesting? And if I can't answer that, I keep working on more thumbnails until I can find some kind of quality that you're not seeing every day. And I've seen Mm -hmm. so, especially in children's books, you know, that's one of the things we focus on is that so many children's book illustrators, they, they, for lack of a better example, they use like, oh, this is a happy bunny family and they're making cookies. Like, that's just so not interesting. It's sweet but there's nothing interesting about it because we've kind of... it. All it is is sweet. There's nothing in, engaging mm-hmm. about that. So you need to give...
0: Yeah, go ahead, Jake. I, I was just going to say, yeah, what? There's no story there. That, that right there is like... It's
1: just overly sweet.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, it's just overly sweet and there's not much storytelling with it too. So like, you have to Think come up with this. something.
0: Think about this illustration. It's, uh, it's a family of bunnies. They're all laying on the floor. Their stomachs are just massive and you see... Like they ate way too many cookies, right? There's just like evidence all over that they ate That's a too much, one. Of stuff, right? Like that tells us. Yeah, story. one of them, the right.
2: dad, is injecting himself with some insulin, and and
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, we want to see some reader illustrations about this bunny family and uh, make them interesting. <laughs> you got to come up with something there has to be some hook to it whether it's the environment or mm-hmm. you know i had an assignment when a, when we were doing um concept art at the art institute of portland where the we were doing environments and it had to be we i wanted to, them to draw a tree house but i realized once i started doing research on treehouses that like every single tree house is shown in the summer and so the assignment was draw a tree house in winter and it it mm. it just added so much to how these things felt. They felt abandoned, and they felt lonely, and they felt just so different than they do in the summertime. Mm.
0: Just, like, just like my childhood. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Give me a sound effect on that. That was pretty good. Do we still oh, have this? I don't effects? have it
0: handy. Here oh. we go. <laughs> there we go. With that drum hit, man. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no i had a great childhood actually i didn't see snow actually see or touch snow until i grew up in arizona by the way i didn't see or touch it until i was i want to say 11, 11 years old
1: wow the only experience kids. i had was with movies explains like a lot. empire
0: strikes back you know anything like that so when i saw the snow we were going up we were up north northern arizona I saw a pile of snow on the side. I ran over. I'm like, I'm making a snowball. I started doing it. I didn't have mittens on, and all of a sudden, I was like shocked at how cold it was. I didn't realize snow was like freezing cold. <laughs> my fingers were just like, I was like, ah, what's wrong with this stuff? <laughs> <wrong> with
2: <laughs> my, my students in California. See, you got us on a tangent again. When we were living out there, we would go snowboarding, and they had been every kid in town because we were like <laughs> we were like three hours away. A lot of them have only been to the snow once or twice. And they yeah. call it going to the snow Yeah, up above Fresno. Uh, the and and uh, the snow parks up there are lower than the ski resort. And they always it, it always gets warm out there and then it melts and then it freezes. So you might have snow that looks like rolling hills, fluffy snow, but it oh, is wow. hard as concrete. And so they would always ask us, like, how do you snowboard? Like, doesn't it hurt when you <laughs> fall and stuff like that? And I'm like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought it was all ice. Like, yeah, they didn't it understand it's ice. soft. That's yeah. too funny.
0: Wow. Okay, so I'm just going to read through this list one more time. We'll wrap wrap it up just so let's, let's do this. So let's how start. to tell a story with your art. Number one, make sure every image should spur a question in the viewer. Okay? Number two, every image should elicit some kind of emotional response from the from the viewer. Does it make him happy? Does it make him sad? Does it make him curious? Number three, always include a character or at least evidence of a character. Number four, use small details to hint at more depth to the situation. Number five, avoid the climax or don't show, you know, show the before or show the after. Number six, use composition and point of view to tell the story. Number seven, give the viewer something to explore. Number eight, use lighting to tell the the story. And number nine, show something impossible becoming a reality. And is there anything else y'all want to add to this? Uh, No. (laughs) Pretty much good.
1: If somebody somebody can do all that with the images, they have learned something. They are doing something right.
0: Okay, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Three Point Perspective is made possible by svslearn.com where Becoming a Great Illustrator starts. And uh, check it out Subscribe now. Uh, good things coming along down the pipeline for subscribers. Lots of uh, uh, classes and courses to improve your, your drawing abilities. So go check that out. Um, uh, let's talk about who we are. Uh, this is our hosts. Have been, I'm totally like derailed here. Your hosts have been Will Terry. You can find him at willterry.com. His artwork, his portfolio is online there. Also follow him on Instagram at willterryart. Uh, we've got Lee White at his uh, his website is leewhiteillustration.com and follow him on Instagram at leewhiteillo. And I'm Jake Parker. You can find my work at mrjakeparker.com and follow me on Instagram at Jake Parker on Instagram. Show is the, the podcast is edited by Alex Sugg. Uh, you can find his work or contact him about ed- editing your podcast at alexsugg.com. And show notes by Tanner Garlick. Uh Tanner is our uh just been helping us out here for a couple of years. We we appreciate him and go check out his work, Tanner Garlic Art. He does all the yeah, nice, all the artwork, nice artwork, for the artwork podcast too. too. TannerGarlicArt.com. So if you like this episode, please share it around. Um send this episode to all your illustrator friends who don't tell stories with their artwork. They need this, they need to hear this episode. <laughs> and uh if you can subscribe to it somewhere on itunes if you, if you like it enough to want to listen to more subscribe to it wherever you subscribe to a podcast that way you get notified every time we upload a new podcast and if you'd be so kind as to just leave a review we would love that these episodes not these episodes podcasts like kind of live or die by by reviews and word of mouth so we'd love to have you share that around um There's a a discussion about this particular subject matter happening on the svslearn.com forums, which are free to join. And if you want to join in on that discussion, log on to those forums at svslearn.com and uh, give us a piece of your mind on how to tell a story with art. Or if you disagree with anything we've said, we'd love to know. Um, Okay, that's it. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next time.